This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. Mane, the magic man for Liverpool, as the Reds bid farewell to their genie. Champions League football secured with Liverpool, eventually landing a third-placed finish. Here to look back on the final day, we have our Liverpool correspondent, Paul Gorst, Sean Bradbury and Matt Addison. Gentlemen, I take it you're well. And uh, Gorsty, I'll come to you first. You were there at Anfield and they made it look easy in the end. Yeah, they did. Um, to be honest, I always thought that with the 10,000 fans being in there, it was going to be a more of a comfortable, comfortable afternoon than... It has been at times, particularly this calendar year. You know, Liverpool so often in Anfield this year just looked like they've got no energy, no spark, no um, real invention in the final third. And, and more often than not, it's been a tough watch. I mean, even the games that they've won, it's been difficult to uh, ask them Villa and, and they obviously drew in the, in the last stages against Newcastle. And then obviously the, the six defeats in a row. So it's been a long time since Anfield's been a, a happy place, but uh, almost... As, as easy as just letting the doors open and letting the fans in. That was almost transformed. Um, Sadio Mane, I thought, in particular, was someone who um, really, you know, fed off the crowd. He's, it's been been a while since he's been anywhere near his best, and um, although he's, he has been scoring the odd goal, hasn't looked anywhere near the kind of player that we've been used to seeing over the last two or three years at Anfield. But almost from the first whistle, him and Robertson were, were kind of pairing up quite nicely down the left, and there was one particular turn early on where he just let it run through his legs and then turned his man. And I thought, yeah, he looks up for it today. Um, and so it, so it showed that there's two goals. Um, so kind of just hints at what might be possible next season when hopefully we get more fans in on a more regular basis and we get larger crowds. And 10,000 fans, Liverpool can get back to Anfield being a bit of a fortress. Um, obviously, it's been over four years since they've lost there with supporters in the ground. Um, the six-game losing run of this season. We'll just sweep that one under the carpet and never speak of it again and um, go again next season. So, tough season for Liverpool, really difficult one, one full of injuries and loads of things happening off the pitch. And, and as Klopp mentioned a few times, to be honest, some things that we're not even particularly aware of, you know, behind the scenes, but one that ended on a happy note. Um, eight wins for the last 10, 10-game unbeaten run and Liverpool eventually finished third. So, you have to consider that a successful season, all things considered. Yeah, Sean, in the end, they didn't even need to beat Crystal Palace, did they? With both Chelsea and Leicester losing, actually, the points at Burnley would have been enough for Liverpool anyway to get in the top four. But still, obviously, a good way to to end it with the win on the final day. Albeit, I suppose, really Leicester's demise, but Liverpool coming on really strong, as Gorsley said, with that 10-game unbeaten run. Yeah, just something that you never really would have seen coming. You know, if you cast your eyes back to... March or end of Feb when things were in the doldrums, but to do what they've done over the last 10 games is brilliant. You know, it captures the Champions League for this season and totally agree with Gorsley. It sends a bit of a warning message to rivals and others about next season. You know, all the players that there were little question marks about for whatever reason because of form, fitness, you know, thinking like Trent, Thiago, maybe even Alisson himself, that, you know, there's they've all just had an emphatic end to the season and, and, and been great. And yeah, on, on the game itself, I thought at the start, it was a little bit like Burnley. Liverpool seemed determined not to really trouble their keeper by bothering, bothering him with anything like shots on target or anything like that. But, um, but yeah, like you say, guy, class told and they could absolutely blank out the distractions and play without pressure in a manner that I don't think Leicester and Chelsea really could yesterday because they probably were up against better opposition, but perhaps 
in, in recent seasons haven't really been as used to Liverpool as when you're in this pressure cooker situation and you know you need the result. How do you carry yourself? How do you deal with it? How do you get yourself through the game? I think Gorsty's kind of mentioned all the all the kind of main points about how how impressive individuals were yesterday, but just the word for for, for Salah as well. I just thought like uh, he was the one I was taking with. I mean, he's been the main man this season, hasn't he? I think if you if you were dishing out Player of the Season awards, it would pretty much be a one man affair. I think he's he's just been phenomenal. But you know what what he did for that opening goal, uh, helping to win the corner when he just plucked plucked it out of the sky with a brilliant touch and was instantly threatening and purposeful, drove forward, the vision to find Robertson. And then, you know, obviously he won the corner that the goal came from. And then second half as well, he got his assist. There was, you know, no real hint that he was just thinking about that golden boot. It was all about the team. It was about teeing up his mate Mane again and getting Liverpool over the line. And yeah, I just thought, what a player Liverpool have got there, absolutely at the peak of his powers. But it's just great to see the whole machine ticking again and, and looking so sharp ahead of next season. And, I think that's that's the point, really. You know, this was a season that you just kind of wanted out the way, and it felt like that, perhaps even up to like the the Man United game. Whereas, you know, the, the last few matches, it's looked like Liverpool of old. They've strung this great run of form together, and I think now you really look ahead to next season with with excitement and the challenge of clawing it back against Man City. It it seems feasible. It seems doable now, doesn't it? There's things have been re-energized, and yeah, it's just a great time to watch and follow the Reds again. Yeah, no, definitely. Matt, you were one of the 10,000 fans inside Anfield and Gorsty mentioned it before, the importance of that. How how much did you kind of feel that being part of it, energising the side? Because they started sloppy the first five minutes. There was that pass from Trent that sent uh, Andros Townsend through on goal, but it felt as though maybe that was one of the moments through kind of the course of the season where the team did need the fans. A, th- a few groans, a few shouts just to liven them up. And by the time that first goal came, they really were playing at breakneck speed and that tempo that maybe was given to them by the fans. Yeah, definitely. I think the, there was a, a few nerds inside the ground, obviously, not knowing the other results. I think the other results uh, at that particular time hadn't gone Liverpool's way and it was kind of not really happening for them. As Sean said, they weren't really having too many shots on target at that time. But as soon as the, the goal went in and even as soon as, as Townsend missed that, you kind of felt it around the ground that there was a few little murmurs, a few moans, but the players sort of took it upon themselves to, to change that and in the end went on, created enough chances to, to make it fairly comfortable for themselves. And it was just one of those moments, wasn't it? It was, uh, you know, a really good thing. I think that it it meant something. A few weeks ago, we sort of felt like there there would be fans back and, and that would mean something. It would be a landmark. But the fact that it was aligned with the, you know, the, the fact that Liverpool ended up finishing third, very much needed to, to get into the top four. It, it just made it doubly exciting. I mean, I was thinking about it last night when I got back. It, it kind of felt to me not like the last game of the season, but like the first game of the season. It almost felt like a one of those where you've got a bit of hope. You you sort of turn up for, for the first time in a while. You've not been to the ground for a bit. Your first time seeing the players for a long time. It, it felt more like the, the first day of the season rather than the last in a weird sort of way. And I suppose that just ties into to what Sean said about looking forward to the summer. It means now, you know, we can hopefully have at least 10,000, if not more, on the first game of next season. You can look forward to, to what might happen in the summer. You can just sort of relax and, and take this season for what it was. A very difficult season for all of the reasons that we've gone over. But the fact that it's been such a tough season, but they've still managed to finish third, I just think you know sums up exactly how good this Liverpool team can be and exactly why we are all rightly so excited about what could happen in sort of next season and, and the first few months. Because you know I think we, we've seen a, a glimpse of it, but 
it was kind of a, a reminder of what Liverpool can be without being at their absolute best. But we, of course, know that they've got Van Dijk and, and Gomez and all the rest of those players to come back. Yeah, definitely. Gorsty, it seemed telling to me that Sadio Mane got both of the goals. He's been sort of bereft of confidence. He's tried to seek help to as to why it is his form's fallen off a cliff. But he was the guy who scored the last time fans are inside Anfield in the one-all draw with West Brom. Fans are back. He gets another brace and sends Liverpool into to third place. Any coincidence for you that actually he might be one of these players who feeds off the fans? No, I don't think so. Um, but I'm not really sure why, because um, he's somebody, he, they don't always sing about them, do they, the fans? You know, we heard yesterday the, the Salah song, the Firmino song, Wijnaldum. There was even a, a debut song for Thiago, but I, I don't remember Sadio Mane getting too much of a mention. But I think he, he is just someone who just needs that, that buzz of a loud crowd, because uh, almost fr- from the first whistle yesterday, he just looked so much sharper and, and brighter than, than he has, in, has looked in a long time. And... Um, it was interesting, wasn't it? You mentioned there that he said he, he's basically searched out some help to try and find out what's going wrong. And, and I think that kind of delves into the psyche a little bit of, of elite athletes and, and just how much of a mental thing it can be at certain times because he hasn't necessarily been doing anything wrong or a difference. It's it's just one of those things where it's just not quite firing for him and, and just maybe then small margins aren't, aren't going his way. But Yesterday, he was back to something approaching his best, and um, he, he was in the right spot at the right time at the back post, wasn't he? To bundle home the first, and then the um, the second one reminded me a little bit of, of one of the goals he scored against City, actually. And I think it was the four-three win a couple of years ago. He just lined it up, had all the time in the world on that left foot, and took a little bit of a, of a nick and, and went in. And um, it was a strong, strong finish in the end to the season for him. I think. He scored four in his last four or five. So um, he's, you know, for all the questions of, of his performances, he, he has been, you know, put, putting them in the net. So uh, he's another one, I think, if, if he has a, a proper rest this pre-season and then he has a good pre-season, him probably put Thiago in that same bracket and, and probably three or four others. If they can all get a good rest, a good pre-season, then Liverpool can really hit the ground running. As Matt says, hopefully the fans will be allowed in. There's been no change on the June 21st kind of lifting of, of everything from the Prime Minister. So, as things stand, you have to take that as face value. The Liverpool will uh, will have uh, a full Anfield in August. So, um, plenty of, of things to be positive about at, at the end of what was a very difficult and untested season. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Sean, Liverpool found their consistency by the end. Ten games and beaten five wins in a row to end it. Eight wins from those final ten games. If you sort of take out that 14-game stretch just before it, where Liverpool only got three wins, they'd started the season so well. And I'm just thinking with fans coming back in, it it is about refining that consistency because this year it was the first time since 2016 when Leicester won the title that actually a team's not needed at least 90 points to win the league title. So if Liverpool can find that consistency and get back to those levels, no reason why they can't be challenging City next season. Oh, absolutely not. And I think that's that's the mindset Liverpool have to go into this summer with. I mean, you know, you look back at this season and whether you're a player or a fan, I think so much of it was so utterly abject, wasn't it? And I don't mean that just in a pure, purely Liverpool sense, but playing without fans and the stale nature of all that entails. VAR obviously causing issues again and, I think pretty much every club could point to a list of times that that's done them out of something where the fans would think 
it went totally the wrong way. I think you could say the whole Super League fiasco and the sour taste that left as well. But yeah, Liverpool have just got to focus on the fact that despite everything that happened, they, they managed to almost fashion a bit of a fairy tale out of the end of the season. You know, it, it, as you say, Guy, that, that winning run, uh, or, you know, certainly the unbeaten run, you know, eight, eight wins in the last 10, somehow finishing third, which I still kind of can't believe every time I look at the table that they're actually that high up there. But, you know, every factor you look at, you know, the, the, the decimation of injuries in the squad, that if you put a positive on that, it, it paved the way for Curtis Jones to become a bona fide Liverpool first team player. You saw the likes of Phillips, Quebec, Williams come in and have to play their part and all do it pretty admirably, you know, to a man. And I think just, you know, it, in a general sense, it, it's a campaign that you do want to forget about. But as Liverpool so often do, they, they force you to not forget about certain things. You know, there's, there's so many memorable moments that I think reference points Klopp could almost use now. Obviously, Alisson's goals are an obvious one. But even before that, and even in some of the times where it wasn't perhaps going so well and Liverpool backs are still against the wall, you know, you think that, that Salah goal against West Ham, I saw that flash up on social media again earlier today or... I think it was in actually in match of the day. It was one of their goal of the season contenders, and kind of forgotten about that. It was so good, you know. Trent against Villa as well. There's so many great moments, and then looking at the, at the Palace game as well. You know, in, in a season that's kind of been dulled and deadened by lack of intensity and emotion, you get this real hit of the send off for Wijnaldum, which I'm sure we'll come on to. Um, so yeah, I, I just think this is what Liverpool do, isn't it? You know, you can you can never write them off and. They never really let you down in, in the grand scheme of things. You know, I think as much as this might have seemed a very poor season to follow Liverpool from a fan perspective and a very difficult one for the players and staff, you know, you've got a reminder there, I suppose, against Palace, didn't you? It was, it was 10 years ago when we had six months of, of Roy Hodgson and probably one of the lowest ebbs of, of being a Liverpool fan or follower in recent years. But look how things have been turned around since, you know. But I think, yeah, now everything just points towards... Liverpool getting a flying start to next season. If they can, if even half the players can carry on the form that they're in this at this moment now, and with a couple of additions perhaps over the summer as well, a, a bit of fresh blood, Thiago and Jota who've done very well, bedded in even more, getting to know their surroundings and their players and, and the city and everything just that little bit better now. Now things are opening up. Yeah, I just think somehow at the end of what's been a very sorry season, Liverpool just in a great place. Yeah, no, definitely. And I suppose carrying on that fairy tale feel that Sean mentioned there, Matt, is the defensive partnership that ended the season. Three clean sheets in the last five games for Reese Williams and Nat Phillips at the heart of defence. Uh, I have to say that on our post game podcast, Alex Watt said that Nat Phillips should be getting a, a brand association with bandages and headbands because of the amount that he goes through cut again as I have to give credit to Alex Watt for coming up with, with that one but again the two of them up to the task against Palace yeah the two of them were, were fantastic weren't they I mean, <clears throat> just in terms of, of the running to, to be able to, to put together you know a, a run of form pretty much out of the blue really for, for both of them I mean it's easy to forget how little both of them played in in the first half of this season even I mean it, it sort of feels now like they've been together for a little while but it, it's not that many matches that they've played Phillips has played obviously slightly more with various partners but it's just kind of one of those things that I think we'll look back at, at this season and just wonder how on earth it, it happened how on earth that partnership managed to to get Liverpool over the line in terms of that form and they deserve just so much credit for it I mean Neither of them may be at Liverpool next season. We, we don't know what will happen with them during the summer, but you know you, you can't take away what they've done. It, it's just been an absolutely incredible achievement. I think Jurgen Klopp's mentioned it 
plenty of times, whatever they go on to do in their career, whether that's at Liverpool or, or elsewhere, they'll always have this season and, and what they did. And, you know, they're as big a part of it as any other part of this Liverpool team in terms of, of what they've achieved. But I think it, it, it just shows, doesn't it, the fact that, you know, Liverpool have had so much disruption at the heart of, of the defence, but they've still come out of, of this season in the position they're in. Once you add in the, the better quality, once you put in, even if you just put in Van Dijk and, and forgot about all of the other injured players, I mean, instantly that would have a, a huge improvement. So, yeah, it's it, it's been one of those seasons. It, 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 we're sort of glad that it's over, but at the same time, you shouldn't forget about you know the, the huge storylines such as those. And just in, in terms in terms of that, in terms of, of adding in that quality, I mean, Christian Walsh tweeted yesterday and he sort of done the maths to say that the first 14 games and the final 10 games Liverpool have been going at a rate which would get you 90 points a season. It's only really the 10 in the middle of that that they have to improve. And once you add in Jordan Henderson, Van Dijk, Gomez, Matip, all of these other players, you know, that 10-game spell wouldn't have been the same with those players in. And that just makes you so excited for, for what can happen next season. If Liverpool have been this good with all of these problems, how good are they going to be next season when hopefully you'll get a fraction of those injuries? Yeah, no, apologies, my dog's barking. The postman's just arrived. So, uh, you know, it's that time of the day. Uh, in, in terms of moments of the season, Gorsty, of course, we know Alison Becker's header is the moment, but it sort of feels so Liverpool that in a sterile and soulless season like this behind closed doors, that there are so many narratives and storylines, as Matt said, of each of these different players having their moment to kind of shine. Yeah, definitely. I think if you look at uh, Matt Phillips now, he's that is. His 20th Liverpool appearance yesterday, so um, he'll it, the power's in, in his hands now. I think if if he wants to stick around at Liverpool, he could easily be, you know, fourth or fifth choice next season, and you'd have absolutely no qualms with him going into a League Cup game or an FA Cup game or even the odd League game, you know, with a bit of rotation. Um, he's he's been fantastic. Um, Reese Williams is a few years younger. He's only just turned 20, so he's got plenty of time on his side and I think a loan move might beckon for him somewhere. But uh, Klopp said a couple of weeks back that both of them were going to have proper careers off the back of this season and um, you'd have to agree with that, wouldn't you? I think um, <clears throat> if Phillips feels that he could be playing regularly somewhere else in the top flight, I think um, he will definitely have suitors knocking on Liverpool's door. Um, you know, 20 appearances for a club like Liverpool is, is probably enough of a sample size for someone a little bit further down the league to look at it and think, yeah, this lad could could certainly do a job for us. And um, you look, look at him at Tate Moore on, on Wednesday night. Um, he, he's tailor-made for, for Bailey, isn't he? He's that type of defender who, who heads everything, gets his tackles in, gets his blocks in, nothing too, um, too elaborate on the ball, keeps it simple, and, and it's just absolutely loves defending. So fair play to him. He's been one of the... Um, one of the few kind of outstanding stories of this season. Uh, and Williams as well, who who basically made hay because Phillips was cup tied in the Champions League. He, he was a big part of Liverpool getting through that uh, that group stage, wasn't he? And uh, played a, a big part in the win against Tottenham in December. And, and he's come in for the last few games and, and been excellent. So both of those players will hold their heads high this, this morning and, and know that they will have um, a career, uh, a good career in football, wherever that may be. Um, then they want to stick around at Liverpool and, and learn a little bit more from the likes of Van Dijk and Gomez and Mata. Um, it's up to them. But certainly, power is now in, in, in Phillips' hands, definitely. And 
the, the I think the most interesting thing is when you think the Quebec joined at the the very end of January, uh, and didn't start straight away. Yeah, him and Phillips's um, combined partnership of, of eight games is the most of any Liverpool centre back partnership this season. Um, and when you consider that there's been twenty different partnerships, that pretty much tells you where the problems have been for Liverpool this season. So you can say that they've had issues converting chances and so on and so forth. But I think it all just has a knock-on effect from that destabilising lack of, of defensive options. So um, that that's not going to happen next season. Is it? Liverpool are going to be in the hunt for another centre-back. Um, and Phillips, if he wants to stay on, will be there as well. So Liverpool um, going from feast to famine next season. Once everyone gets fit, they're going to have a real strong defensive departments to choose from again. Yeah, I remember you saying even back in the summer that Liverpool needed a Clavan-type signing, but maybe he was there all along in yeah. Nat Phillips, maybe somewhat limited in some aspects of his game in Liverpool, of course, in a very different place to when Clavan was at the club. But as you say, if he does want to stick around, I'm sure Jurgen Klopp would be more than willing to keep him. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. One player who doesn't look like he's going to be sticking around, Sean, Jorginho Wijnaldum, given a standing ovation as he left with 12 minutes to go and then came back on the pitch afterwards for a guard of honour from all of those involved at Liverpool staff and players. I know you're a huge fan of Gini Wijnaldum. Was there a, a tear in the eye from you yesterday seeing that all play out? It was emotional stuff, wasn't it? Uh, absolutely. I think I think I've a bit of the ground Uh I might have might have shed one or two, but no, I, I was working yesterday, so you know, professional head on, just just tapping tapping away, and uh, yeah, all that type of thing. But yeah, it, it was just it was strange, really. I suppose I was thinking about this last night. There's there's been a few players who have left Liverpool in recent seasons, and you you know, been sad to see them go for whatever reason. But they've been good servants, I'd say, rather than legends of the modern era. You know, I'd say like Lalana, probably Lovren. Storage, maybe even you know Mignolet. You can say you know these are these are good guys who've been around the squad. You've had their moments, you know. Certainly in terms of storage, storage's case and um, possibly Lallana and Lovren too. Some you know very memorable moments and been a part of the rich recent history of Liverpool. But Wijnaldum, I think it, it's he's one of the first major Klopp signings, and it, he's the first major Klopp signing to to depart, as it seems it is now going to happen. But yeah, I think as as you said, Guy, it was it was sad, but it was also heartwarming to see what happened for him after the final whistle, that guard of honour, the presentation of a nice sort of mock up of the champions wall uh, that was given to him in in a little frame. And uh, yeah, I, I just think I think I think he's going to be missed. I can totally understand how it's arrived at this point, but you know, even in the game against Palace, you you could see the very best of what Juan Alden does, and I do think it raises the question of how much it's going to be missed. You know, he was constantly filling gaps. He was switching roles. He was quietly facilitating everything that happens around them, as we've always seen him do. But I, I saw a tweet with all, all his stats. And like once again, it, it, it was just so rounded. You know, that, that's what you so often get from him. His, his passing was accurate. He dribbled well. He won duels. He was progressive at times. You know, that Salah moment that I was talking about before when he controlled the ball in the build-up to the first goal. I think it was from a, a long pass from one album. You know, that he can just do a bit of everything, can't he? And my thing about him leaving is availability, I just think, is now one of the absolute most valuable commodities in football. And I saw a tweet, I think it was from the, the Tactical Times account yesterday or the day before, that was saying Juan Adams averaged 47 games a season while he's been at Liverpool, obviously, in all yeah. competitions. And this season, he's made 50. You know, so I'd like to see Michael Edwards' algorithms that say 
this is a guy who we we shouldn't be paying, and you know, this is a guy who's you know potentially going to drop off because you know, he's still playing, isn't he? And, and that's the one concern I think when you look at Liverpool's midfield. That I hope that there is a squad succession plan or a transfer plan in place because you know there's there's a lot of excellent players, but there are quite a number of players who for whom minutes is sometimes a bit of an issue. You know, you think of Cater, Milner and Henderson, two superb players, but they're not getting any younger. Fabinho obviously sometimes is in and out. Jones, as we've already mentioned on this podcast, fantastic player, had a great season. The pathway's there for him now, and, you know, that's really good. But, yeah, the, the Wijnaldum-shaped hole in the squad, if that is how it turns out, you know, between now and the 1st of July, which everything points to, it's going to be a very big one to fill. And just as, as a final word on my thoughts on him, I just think fair play to him this season, because I'm last as well, really. While all this speculation about what he'll do and what will happen with his contract has been buzzing around and, you know, there must be talk about that in the dressing room, must not every other player and all his mates, you know, Van Dyke, you saw that big hug those two shared um, when, he, when he was taken off towards the end of the Palace game. You know, he must have to deal with all this and, and, and you never really would have seen that it was affecting him, you know, in terms of how he's performed on the pitch. So, yeah, I hope, I hope wherever he goes next, he thrives and, and I certainly hope Liverpool don't draw them in Europe, whoever it might be. How right was it, Matt, that there was that crowd there inside Anfield to be able to say, first of all, thank you for the service, the five years of service he's given Liverpool, and of course, be able to to share that back to him before he did. Maybe, and it is still a maybe, leave the pitch as a Liverpool player for the last time. Yeah, I think it, I think it's more than a maybe in terms of you know the uh, obviously the the scenes that we saw and, and all of that. The statement seemed to suggest that he would quite like to stay, but it's Liverpool that would quite like to move him on, which. Again, I think is is understandable. It's it's ruthless, but it's one of those. He turns thirty one later this year, and and sort of you've got to to think about you know being ruthless, taking the next step, evolving, all of those sorts of things. I mean, it can be a masterstroke to move him on if he goes somewhere else, maybe declines, and, and Liverpool can get somebody else in. But there's a lot of of ifs there. There's a lot of of things that have to to take place before we can sort of talk about those sorts of things. But yeah, in terms of of the moment, and in terms of you know that there being fans there. It is one of those things that you would have been absolutely gutted for him. I'm sure he would have been gutted if he'd have just moved on and there hadn't been anybody there to, to sort of wave him off. I'm sure Liverpool would have done something in terms of the training ground and stuff like that. But I think, you know, especially after a long season like this, you know, for him to have been so consistent, to have played in, in loads of different positions for Liverpool, to have slotted in wherever they've needed him to do all of the things, he's been a huge part of, of this season. And as much as anything else, you know, he just, he deserved... You know, the, the standing ovation, he deserved all of the applause because time will tell whether it's the right time to, to sort of move him on, whether it is or it isn't, we don't know yet. But there's no doubt about it. He's been a huge part of, of this Liverpool squad for, for the past five years. And like with, with other players, it, it would have just been a massive shame, really, for, for him to just sort of move on quietly without any sort of applause, without any sort of recognition from the supporters. Because... You know, the, there is a real love for him. I think, you know, as Sean said, he's the, the first one probably of those who are an absolutely integral part of, of this Liverpool team to, to move on. It's the first time we've we've kind of seen that sort of thing. And I think Liverpool fans yesterday absolutely recognise that. I think, you know, Gini Wijnaldum said something along the lines of he'll always be a Liverpool fan. And there is that clear connection between the, the fans and the players. So, yeah, I, I was delighted to, to sort of see that, that that happened in the way it did. I'm sure, you know, as I say, if there hadn't have been any fans there, there would still have been some sort of recognition. But it, it's just that added value, I think, that, that somebody like him absolutely has deserved. 
Is it too simple of me, Paul, looking at the, the statement from Jorginho van Aldum saying that he would have loved to have stayed had it been possible and Jurgen Klopp, his programme notes speaking about how this Liverpool side was built on Jorginho van Aldum's lungs and what he's brought to the team and that he loves him as a human being. Am I too simplistic in thinking? Player loves football club, manager loves player. Can't something be done? Well, yeah, I know. It's, it does seem a strange one, doesn't it? You know, we, we've... We've written a few times now for for a number of months that Wijnaldum was desperate to stay, and and he's confirmed it himself, hasn't he? Yesterday with his comments, which I thought were really interesting, and, and it's a, it's just a massive shame, you know, when you think of how important he's been for Liverpool, not only for the last five years, but also this season. He's played fifty one times uh, this season, which is remarkable, really, when you think he's going into the final few weeks of the season. He's leading leading the team out. He, he's he's captain in the side. Uh, and he's not being given the armband because he's coming towards the end. You know, he is one of the, the four leaders in this squad, isn't he? Alongside Milner, Henderson and, and Van Dijk. So, um, yeah, it just seems a massive shame. And, and he's going to be massively in demand this summer at a time when uh, clubs are, are still kind of adjusting to the financial impact of, of the pandemic and they're trying to work out what they can do and what they can't do. Having a, a 30-year-old midfielder, peak of his career, the Champions League regular, Champions League and Premier League winning midfielder who, who doesn't miss any games. Um, he's going to have his pick, isn't he? Um, he could quite easily pitch up at Chelsea or, or even Manchester City and, and Liverpool would only have themselves to blame. Um, I, I think basically what, what the issue is, is he's looked at his importance and, and his value to the team and he, he might have been asking for parity with some of the, some of the big earners in this Liverpool squad and Perhaps how those decisions are made, they, the club have looked at it and thought that we can't really justify X amount of money for someone who's who's thirty plus. I mean, I, I'm just kind of guessing on, on that one. We we don't know the, the true ins and outs of it, but it, what we do know is he was desperate to stay, and, and he confirmed as much yesterday. So, it just seems a real shame that he's going to ride off into the sunset and, and be a valuable asset for for a rival next season. Yeah, he's a man who's obviously delivered moments for, for Liverpool as well as consistency. Sean, you think of the semi-finals in Rome against Barcelona at Anfield as well. The important goals he scored in, in league games for Liverpool as well. But he rarely has been a man to get nines and tens in ratings at the end of games. But he's always there for a seven out of ten, isn't he? He's one of the dependable players, as you said before, all about consistency. Something that Liverpool, through this course of the season... Have really relied on him for. Oh yeah, massively. I think it, you know if, if anything was going to sum him up, I think it's that idea that if no one else is going to do it, go on then I'll do it. You know because he's. I always think when you just compare what he does for Liverpool to what he does for his country, it's it's selfless. It's it's about facilitation. It, it allows every other player in virtually every other position, certainly anyone who goes forward, to just go and do their thing, and he and he fills in and he, he covers gaps. But as you say, guy, you know beyond that. He's still had those moments, hasn't he? You know, Barca and the other ones you've said, Middlesbrough, get Liverpool back into the Champions League where he's stepped up and been the main man. You know, he's he's always capable of that. It always kind of bubbles under the surface a little bit. And I think that's part of it. You know, it, it, like if if you do, you know, see what he does on a game-to-game basis and appreciate that, you know, that's one thing. But th- there is also those huge moments where you can point to and say, you know, look at that. He's, not only is he, is he a Liverpool legend for what he does, or what he's done week on week, but he has those huge memorable moments and a highlight reel that you know virtually any Liverpool player I think would be proud of. So, yeah, I, I just I, I'm just um, 
Not sure how I'm going to feel if, if, if he does come up against Liverpool, but, but perhaps the plan all along was to just play him in virtually every game this season and then hand him over in pieces to whoever it is that's going to take him on. But yeah, we, we'll see. Um, be some reception if he does ever turn up back at Anfield, that's for sure. Yeah, I suppose it's about trusting what Liverpool do in the, the transfer market as well, Matt, isn't it? Because in many ways, he's kind of been a defining player for the FSG and the Michael Edwards transfer era coming in, underwhelming fans on the face of it, but then completely over-exceeding expectation. And think of the likes of him and Mane picked up from Southampton mid-table Premier League side, Salah, who hadn't quite cut it in the Premier League beforehand. And these guys have all been superstars. And as we said before, the first one to, to depart. I think he encompasses everything that you want from a, a sort of Jurgen Klopp and, and Liverpool player, to be honest. He's, as you say, one of those who sort of come in. He came in as a kind of winger or, or number 10. That's where he played for Newcastle. Hasn't really done that at all for Liverpool. Everyone's sort of got used to seeing him now as a, a number eight or a number six. He's played centre-back. He's played up front. He's played all over the place for Liverpool. And that's kind of, of what Jurgen Klopp loves in a player, isn't it? He doesn't want somebody who just does one thing. He wants each player to be able to play two, three, in one album's case, four, five, six different positions. And that's going to be so, so difficult to, to sort of sort of replace, to, to be honest, in terms of, of a transfer fee and, and that sort of thing. To get a, a younger version of Gini Wijnaldum is, is not going to come cheap for Liverpool this summer. So I think it's it's going to be a really interesting one to, to see how they replace him. But I'm really fascinated to, to see where he ends up as well. I know you know, he's been linked with with Bayern Munich. His agents come out and sort of encourage them to, to come to the table. But that kind of suggests that he doesn't really have any idea where he's going to be at this moment in time. There's there's nothing sort of tied up or or anything like that at, at this moment. And I think that, that kind of ties into to what he's done for, for Liverpool as well. It, it's not just that he's been so good and he's been so sort of consistent and, and in the team every week in slightly different roles. It's it's kind of gone under the radar, I think, with maybe fans of, of other clubs who don't see what he does. They don't see what he brings to the table. He doesn't score 15 goals a season, but what he does is an equally important role. And I think if, if maybe some of the other clubs have seen how good he's been for Liverpool at, at times at, at doing the, the sort of unseen bits of the game. I think maybe there'd be a little bit more interest. I, I know sort of last summer there was kind of some murmurs that Barcelona and, and Ronald Koeman wanted him and maybe Barcelona fans weren't particularly impressed with that. They didn't really get what he was about. But I think for me, Gini Wijnaldum at his peak could sort of go into to any team in Europe and, and improve them. And there's no doubt about it. It'll be a huge loss for Liverpool. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Jurgen Klopp even playing the role of agent in the press conference after the game, touting him around and saying, anybody wants a, a reference, call me and I'll be glad to, to give you one. But I suppose, Gorsty, it begs the question, how did Liverpool replace him? Big question, isn't it? There was a, there was a school of thought that, that suggested that Liverpool already replaced him last season with Thiago Alcantara's arrival. There was a Train of thoughts to say that we kind of suggested that well, we think Wijnaldum might be leaving, so we need another high quality central midfielder in there. And in the end, Wijnaldum stayed and Thiago joined, and, and Liverpool had eight central midfielders alongside Milner, Henderson, Cater, Fabinho, Jones. Um, anyone I've missed out there? Ox, did you mention him? Ockley Chamberlain, yeah. So Liverpool. I've got plenty of options, Andy. Um, eight midfielders for a three-man engine room. So um, that was a, a, a train of thought, as I say. But I think Liverpool got that deal done, irrespective of Wijnaldum's situation. I think they just thought that Thiago 
player of his quality was was up for grabs for a relatively low fee, and his contract was up, and um, Liverpool took advantage of that. So I don't think those two crossed over in the way that some people might have thought. But if Liverpool do want to replace him, um, you're talking upwards of thirty million at least, aren't you, for for someone to come in and, and do exactly what Wijnaldum does and. It's a difficult job, as as Matt says. He's almost got the, the perfect skill set to thrive in Klopp's midfield, and um, you need to be available. You need to be um, as, as fit as anyone in the division, and you need to get about the pitch and work hard. And, and you're not going to be a, you know, one of the regularly sung heroes of the team. So it's a tough, um, tough, you know, big boots to fill, and it's going to cost Liverpool at a time when they're not particularly awash with money. I mean, we know they qualify for the Champions League and that's going to be a massive boost to the to the coffers this summer and, and they've just got the Redbird capital investment with FSG. But um, Liverpool are never really a team who go and spend 200 million plus on, on rebuilding the squad, are they? So they've given themselves extra work to do there by not kind of getting one album situation ticked off, you know, earlier down the line. So it's just another headache for the recruitment team to look at this summer and, and um, there are quite a few of those now to be honest Yeah definitely, 17 points off the pace then in the end Sean in terms of off Manchester City winning the league title, we know there's big players coming back from injury, how quickly they'll get back to top form, we'll have to wait and see but how much work do you think there is then that needs doing in this transfer window this summer oh, Difficult question that because I think in almost every area of the team there's work to do but I think there's variables then and big debates to be had in the kind of, you know, backroom areas of, of Kirby and, you know, between Klopp and Michael Edwards and the staff as to how much work genuinely does need to be done. Because, you know, let's take the centre-back situation for the start. I know you guys have spoken about Phillips and Williams before, but, you know, um, there was that enduring image at the end of the game last night. I think uh, we, we tweeted it out from the Echo where Phillips and Williams have got their arms around each other covered in, you know, blood, sweat and tears, like something from Band of Brothers. And, you know, it, it would be a real shame for neither of them to be at Liverpool next season. And I think that's a distinct possibility, you know, Williams leaving on loan. And as Gorty said before, if they do decide Phillips has reached the ceiling and, it, you know, even as a, as, a, as a fourth, fifth, maybe sixth choice centre-back, he wants to go and play games elsewhere, then that's totally understandable and fair enough. But I just think, you know, he's, he's done so well over the past 10 games or so. And even before that in moments, that they've got to have a little look at that and say, well, when Van Dijk and the others come back, what would he be like alongside them? You know, there's, I think it's a genuine question now. He's shown that he's, he's good enough, I think, in both boxes as a, just an aerial threat and as someone who can head the ball away and get it clear. The question then becomes, you know, what's he like in between? Can he pass well enough? Can he bring the ball out of the fence well enough to be a Liverpool defender in a higher line, squeezing oppositions next to Van Dijk? You know, and with all that brings in terms of benefits, but also you're just going to get targeted purely, aren't you? Because no one wants to have a go of Virgil next to you. So the defence is an issue with it, but potentially not a massive one. You know, if I, if all the other defenders come back fit and firing and, you know, close to 100% of the player that they were when they all got injured, then suddenly it doesn't become that big of a deal. Um, midfield, you know, you guys have covered it. Is there someone like Basuma, someone who, who is available all the time and has those minutes who could come in and, kind of be in the squad and be a bit of a presence that, that Wijnaldum offered. And then I think in the forward line as well, you know, clearly next season we'll see hopefully even more of Jota and it's it's no longer just three, is it? It's four very, very dangerous and highly talented players up front. But I think you're probably looking at Shakiri and Origi and maybe seeing 
seeing how much they could get for both of those players and potentially replacing them with one other player who is versatile and might get a bit more of a look in than those two guys have done this season. So I think it's fine-tuning, but it's, it's fine-tuning across quite a span of the squad, if, if, if that makes sense. But we and we dedicated so much time talking about Genie Van Aldum as well, Matt. That two years out from 2023, there's a number of big players as well whose contracts need sorting. So it's not just about recruitment, it's about retaining players as well. Yeah, it's as much about new contracts, I think, for me this summer in terms of, of the priorities. It's going to be a case of can they tie down Salah, Firmino, Mane, all of these players. They have to, to make a decision one way or the, or the other. You either maybe move them on and accept that they go down the same path as, as Wijnaldum and, and maybe leave for free or you sort of give them improved terms, give them a longer contract, give them what they want, which I think Mohamed Salah has been angling for at times this season, certainly. So it's a, a big summer in terms of, of that. Obviously, the Champions League money will will help them in terms of, of being able to, to do that. It's a little bit less of a, a financial gamble to, to give these players new contracts if you've got another season of Champions League money guaranteed, for example. So I think there's a lot of big decisions to be made. I think in terms of, of new signings, I think you have to replace Wijnaldum. Basuma is, is one that keeps coming up as a potential option. You wonder whether that could be done, but again, it, it's not going to be cheap. They're going to want 30, 40 million. We saw that with, with Ben White last summer. They refused you know, three or four offers for, for him and ended up keeping him in the end. And You wonder whether Basuma might be a similar sort of player in terms of being difficult to, to get out of Brighton. So I think there's there's work to be done in, in that position in terms of replacing Wijnaldum. Again, you need a, another forward and you probably need a centre-back as well. So it's not going to be wholesale changes, but I think there's there's certainly three signings, possibly four, depending on what happens with Phillips and, and Williams. You might need two centre-backs rather than one. Then Ozan Kabak sort of comes into the equation and you, you sort of wonder whether you could sort of sign him and, and that would fill one. But yeah, the, there's not going to be loads of signings. There's not going to be loads of changes, but I think it's certainly going to be a big summer in terms of making decisions, not just for next season, but for the next two or three seasons as well. Yeah, I feel like we've just opened a, a can of worms. But final say, Gorsi, I'll come to you just because the European Championship starts two weeks on Friday. I'm sure Jurgen Klopp will want to be getting, or Michael Edwards even, will want to be getting some feelers out there in the transfer window. You've been looking forward to the end of the season, but the fun and games might only just be starting. From a Liverpool recruitment point of view, yeah, uh, yeah. Never, probably never really stops, does it? We know... Liverpool work really hard, diligently behind the scenes to establish relationships with um, agents and, and agencies. And um, you saw that borne out just from um, from the the Simicast signing and the Jota signings. If you look at the the kind of in depth pieces we, we've done on those two, and they sign Liverpool do really work hard to establish good working relationships and um, hope that somewhere down the line that can come in handy. I mean, we know Liverpool have got. For example, a good relationship with with Red Bull Salzburg, and um, you know, it's it's just I think look, things like this kind of go. I mean, they, they definitely go unseen, but I think a lot of football fans never really think about it. I think sometimes people think it's as simple as you want player A, so you ring up their club and, and ask how much they want for them. It doesn't always work like that, does it? So Liverpool are going to be busy as ever behind the scenes. Um, we know for certain that they're going to be chasing a centre back, and um, we can almost state uh, categorically that there will be a, a centre-back arriving this summer. Canate seems to be the, the front-runner at this stage. Um, they're going to be in the market for a forward. And I think they're going to be one or two leaving as well. I'd, I'd almost um, wager that Shaqiri and, and Origi have, have played their final games for Liverpool now. 
um, if they can get um, decent offers for those two, I think those two might be out the door. And and anything that, that comes in has to be kind of replenished into the into the budget because we know that Liverpool aren't going to be working with hundreds of millions of pounds this summer. The, the pandemic has cost them 120 million plus. Um, and this is a club who aren't kind of bankrolled by any any kind of sugar daddy. So um, it's going to be interesting. Um, you know, Liverpool have kind of kept the powder dry the last couple of seasons. I think the last kind of significant addition was obviously they brought in Minamino, didn't they, in, in January of last season and, and then Thiago and Jota in the summer. But it still feels like this is largely the same squad that they've had for three or four years now. Um, so maybe a little bit of Evolution rather than revolution is needed, and uh, it's as, as ever, it's going to be fascinating to see what they do. But uh, so we'll be across it all as a winner, Tatman. Yeah, we will, of course, be across it across the Liverpool Echo website and the Blood Red channels, whether that be our dedicated YouTube channel or podcast feeds, wherever it is you do join us. You just wonder how crucial securing Champions League football could well be in getting some of that business done early in the summer. But from Sean Bradbury, Paul Gorst, Madison, and myself, Guy Clark, thanks for your time and your company here on Blood Red. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.